Well, good morning, everybody. If you've got your Bibles, open up to 2 Kings chapter 4. Got your Bibles, open up to 2 Kings chapter 4. Good morning. Today is our first week uh, in the actual DVD series of God Provides. Uh, today's lesson is about the widow and oil. Uh, probably a text that most of you are familiar with, have, have heard it either in church or read it through Bible reading at some point. Uh, real straightforward story. There's not a lot of other stuff going on here, but there's a lot of neat things that we can learn about God as we go through. So uh, kind of what we're going to do today is uh, read the text, then we'll go into watching the film. Uh, we'll have some table discussion time, and if that kind of panics you a little bit, don't let it. It's really not complicated. It's intended to be low-key and not threatening, so don't worry about that. Uh, and then you'll have some homework. <clears throat> Yes, you will. It's Sunday school. Oh, yes. Yes, it is, isn't it? Boom. You just quit coming, right? I just thanked my attendance for the rest of the month right there, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> that was good. Somebody just asked what time Daryl's class started. So it's, yeah. uh, they're having technical difficulties right now. Yeah, so uh, then we'll finish up with some application and personalization, uh, and we'll head into the sanctuary. So with that, Second Kings chapter 4, you've got your Bibles. Verse 1, a certain woman. Now, whenever you see a Bible story, and you know I'm not going to get three or four words into the text before I have to comment, right? Whenever you see a Bible text that starts off with a certain or a specific or an individual, this means this is a real story. This is not a parable. This is not illustrative of some bigger lesson. This is something that actually happened. So a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets. So she's a wife of a son of a prophet. Is she relatively familiar with things of God or not? Should be, right? So we'll say should be, absolutely. Um, do you think that there was a large number of prophets at this time? You say, well, Jim, when was this time? Well, it's Second Kings. We're under the leadership of the kings, right? So what do you think? More than one, because it said plural, prophets, right? So good answer. Uh, were there thousands and thousands, or a couple dozen, or what did that look like? Anybody know? Not really sure, right? but there were several. So it says, wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha. So who's this guy? Who's Elisha? <clears throat> so if you made an organizational chart of the prophets, this guy's name would be at the top. Okay? He's the most well-known, he's the most widely known, literally, like the first mantle, my joke with it, was passed to him right, from Elijah, right? How many of you have struggled in your life mixing the two up? I've got both my hands up. Yep. It's, just shouldn't have named them that similarly, but they did. So, cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. Now, in this culture, when the man died, there were a lot of different options. Most of them were very bad. There was not a formal support system by the government in place to send you a check for the rest of your life. Okay, So, let me tell you what happened. The woman in a family uh, is uh, still living. Her husband is dead. What typically happened? Does anybody know? Uh, sometimes she died, yes. The man's brother steps in and fulfills the role as husband. And before you go, whoa, that 
It's a whole new meaning to the term you're marrying the family, right? Um, yes, that's exactly what happened, is that the man would step in and he would assume the, the role of headship and provider for that family. If they had any sons, he would become their sons. And, I mean, it was, it was the whole ball of wax. So, she is without a husband at this point. So, my husband is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. So, he was not a wayward prophet. He was not somebody off doing something crazy. He feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. <clears throat> And you go, well, what in the world does that have to do with the price of tea in China, right? Because it seemed like we have a debt, and now we've got the children going into slavery. Well, at this point in history, and today even, slavery still exists. There are millions and millions of slaves in the world today. Most people actually think there are more slaves in the world today than perhaps at any other time in history. But you could sell your children, and you could sell yourself into slavery at this point in time, to pay off a creditor. Right. This is how strange this culture was. Now, now I recognize when I say this out loud, you, you look at it and you go, that is crazy. Yes, that is crazy. Absolutely. How, how completely destitute would you have to be before you would sell one of your children? This is a good day. This is not a bad day. All right. How completely destitute would you have to be before you would sell one of your children? Yeah. <laughs> Right? We'll, we'll edit that out of the podcast should they ever go back and listen to this. So, Yeah, that one probably won't. Um, but the law actually made provision for this type of a thing. In Exodus and Leviticus, there's actually verses that reference, if you do this thing, these are the boundaries that it has to operate in. Now, this is a really common thing for the law, and a lot of people misinterpret the law because they go, well, see, the law endorsed selling your children into slavery. Whoop, time out. The law put boundaries on how bad it could be and how long it could last. It limited the impact of the evil associated with this thing. Now, every 50 years, something really ridiculously awesome happened in Israel. Anybody know? The year of Jubilee. And the year of Jubilee, every debt gets wiped away. You're like, cool, because I want to take out a mortgage on a brand new house the year before. <laughs> and they would not do that, because the creditors know this thing is coming too. Now. In reality, most of the time, throughout the majority of the Old Testament, the year of Jubilee was completely ignored. It was not celebrated. It was not held. So that this, this liberty that is supposed to occur on a very frequent basis, and you go, every 50 years doesn't sound frequent. It's going to happen at least once in your lifetime. So that's probably good enough that every debt, every, think about that, every debt, boom, gone. How many of you have read about this... Uh, uh, quintillion dollar coin that they're thinking about making to pay off the national debt and it's all going to be gone and that's great and I'm going I don't I don't really understand that but <clears throat> it kind of sounds like the year of jubilee where we just made up something to to balance out the books right and and that's basically what happened every 50 years you netted everything out everything was gone so back to the text verse 2 that was all verse 1 right I love these these bibles stories so Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Now, this can be interpreted a whole lot of different ways, right? It could be, well, what am I supposed to do about that? Or it could be, well, what can I do for you? Right? So, the, And the commentators, they guess, some of them are way over here and some of them are way over here. Elijah wasn't, uh, Elijah, I think that's going to do it. Elisha wasn't a rich guy. The prophets weren't known for their excessive lifestyles and 
extra cash on hand and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So he says, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a, what's your translation say? A little oil, a jar, anybody else? A flask, that's your blank. It's a flask. <clears throat> Those of you that got a text from me yesterday asking if you owned a flask, this is why. Because I wanted to, I wanted to have one in my back pocket and just take it with water and just mess with your head for a second. But it didn't, didn't come together. So it was a, nobody, and that, that I, well, nobody, yeah, no, nobody admitted to owning a flask. So, and I wasn't going to give anybody grief, but <clears throat> I wasn't going to call them out in Sunday school. Um, so a small jar or flask of oil. Now, now those of you that do a lot of cooking, when you need cooking oil, do you need a lot of oil, a little bit of oil? What, what do you need? Depends on what you're making, right? If almost everything that you made had to be made from scratch, do you need a lot of oil or a little oil? A lot of oil, okay? So if we're talking about a small jar, this is not cooking oil. This is more of a perfume type oil. This is more of a burial fragrance type oil. This is something, uh, if you think about fast forward to the New Testament and the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her hair and she broke open the costly box of ointment, this is what we think this is really talking about. Okay? So let's keep going with the text. Then he said, this is Elijah speaking, Elisha. Then he said, go borrow vessels or receptacles from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather just a few. That, that word just a few means to make small or to make few or to diminish or to give less. To give less. And, and imagine being so poor that you don't even have empty vessels. Right? Because most of us, we go, wow, we look in our cabinets and man, there's nothing to eat. That's awful. Okay. Yeah, but you got pots. Right? There's a cup somewhere. Right? I mean, there's something that you could at least hold substance in if you had it. We're not there. Right? So, do not gather just a few. Verse 4, and when you come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels. Pour it into how many vessels? All. Now, does this make sense? No. So right now, we've deviated from logic. Okay? Because Jesus does this all throughout the Bible. He would tell you to do something, you go, but that doesn't sound logical. Yeah, God math never is. Don't worry about it. It's just not logical. So pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. And she's going, okay? So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her. And i got a question for you. Did Elisha tell her to engage her sons? No, but she did, which I think is pretty cool. I think that's pretty cool. When you get an opportunity to do ministry, bring your kids along. Let them see this. Let them experience what God can do because God will actually provide. And she poured it out, verse 6. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full. Which vessels? <laughs> That's just crazy, isn't it? That she said to her son, bring me another vessel. Because she's getting the hang of this. right? She's liking where this is going. She's got a very small amount of very costly something. And she's pouring it into, and we don't know the size of the other vessels, right? but a lot of them. So now, if you take something that is very valuable and you multiply it many, many times, what do you have? A lot, yes. It's the math answer of the day. You have plenty, right? And he said to her, there is not another vessel, so the oil ceased. And right away you go, well, what if she borrowed like five more? 
Maybe those five would have been filled too. What if she borrowed five less? She'd have five less. Amazing story. Verse 7, Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay or make good on your debt, and you and your sons live on the on the rest. And the blank there is the leftovers. I want you to think as we watch this video in just a second about living off of the leftovers. Okay? Because most of us want to live off of the 90%, right? And God can have the 10%, and that's great. But I want you to think about something really crazy. If God had inverted those numbers and said, I want you to give me 90 and you keep 10, he'd have made that work. Okay? He can make any construct anywhere work. So before we watch the DVD, I want to give a disclaimer. We're going to watch DVDs that I think really closely align with the text. But if you see anything where the DVD diverges from Scripture, here's your blank, the Scriptures win. Okay? This is an artist's rendering of the text. And that's great because for visual people, I as one, it helps immensely because like, oh, wow, I didn't think about the expression on the son's faces when the creditor was knocking on the door. Uh, wow. All right. Boy, it just got real then, didn't it? Got crazy real. So, we're going to start the DVD now. Dave, can you? Thank you, sir. That's pretty neat, wasn't it? How many of you wish the Bible was on, uh, like the whole Bible was on DVD and just watch the whole thing? That's kind of helpful. He didn't give it to us in the DVD. He gave it to us in writing. <clears throat> so, at your table for the next couple of minutes, that discuss section uh, in your books. Maybe you brought your books back. Yes, that's awesome. I have a few extra here. Um, they are one per family. Where did I put those, George? Oh, thank you. Anybody need one? You want? Oh. You want? There you go. There you go. As long as there's one or two at each table, you're probably in good shape. So, um, But go through that discuss section. Um, and then uh, we'll come back in about five minutes and wrap up. So you may begin. It would be good if the first thing you did at the table would be to elect someone to drive the discussion and make sure we don't talk about football. So, you know, just perhaps, perhaps. All right, guys, let's come on back. How many of you finished all the questions? Really? Cool. Well done. I'm trying to gauge kind of where we're at and how, where the slow tables are and what the fast tables are. It's okay, I love you. So let's drop down to the application section. So what's the point? Um, Lori Drake is teaching this same lesson upstairs, and she sent me this quote this week. It's by uh, McLaren. He's a commentator and a pastor. It says, you have God in the measure in which you desire him. Um, and that's one of those that just, mm, okay, really, that's a challenge one. Um, number two is God has the answer for any problem and often engages us in the solution. And, and I think I heard that come up in many of your tables was, well, where was her community? And, and where was the where were the people around her? And... and, and I don't, we don't know. It's, it's, it's 
text doesn't give us that particular piece of information. Um, extreme poverty and wealth didn't wipe away my debts, and God provides because he's awesome like that. So personalization, what do I do with that? Well, go to God's word and God's people for counsel. Um, the text doesn't describe this, but in the, in the video, she was running through the streets shouting for Elisha, and that was pretty awesome, I think. That was pretty cool. Um, number two, use what is in my hand. Um, how many times uh, when we went through the Essential 100 did I say that you know God is he's, all he's asking us to do is use what's in our hands. He will make that work. Um, that's his role. Our role is just to listen and to obey, but he will make that work. Uh, three, pay my debts, and four, test him. So uh, next steps now, if you look at the uh, reflect section in your books, um, that is kind of homework for this coming week. And then next week is, over this next week, is do the reflect questions and read next week's text. So uh, that's what we'll be next. So let's do our prayer requests at our tables. Uh, make sure you write your name down that you were present. Um, and pray and we are dismissed. Thanks for coming, guys.